that's that's the lovely ways blood uh new album out so i'm interrupting that to spend another hour or two with you people welcome it's episode 64 you can't spell funeral without fun uh versus media live on call and i'm stephen l miller um boy they had themselves a night last night didn't they if you were around to witness it uh and before i kind of get into that uh i, I do want to apologize up front to podcast subbers um the day just kind of got away from me a little bit not to kind of humble brag about it or whatever but as i mentioned i'm i'm seeing a personal trainer a few times a week now and uh just went over we just kind of went over time today i just got too excited and um whatever and uh but that said i will crack one for tonight so and pour one out for uh the tech journal, former, former cool kids table on Twitter. Yes. We were told last night that it was it. It's the end. Twitter shutting down goodbye forever. And all of the uh, usual suspects had themselves a funeral. And as I said, the rest of us were just kind of laughing Um, as news. They suspected broke that they basically locked the building and people walked out and there was layoffs again and people quit and whatever. And people just said the website's doomed forever. Um, the usual suspects, uh, were spending doom and gloom. Um, the Taylor Lorenzes, don't say that name. Ben Collins has become a kind of funny main character in this whole thing, had himself, uh, quite an evening as well as some of the other familiar names, Charlie Warzel from the Atlantic, formerly the New York times. And they all decided to jump in and host a Twitter space because that's what you do when the website's leaving. Um, that was, uh, every, anyone that you can think of that runs in this whole circle were, uh, in this thing. Brian Stelter was in this room. Um, Kate Noopolis from Buzzfeed, Ryan Broderick, who was fired from Buzzfeed for uh, plagiarism. I guess that's acceptable now. There was also someone he called the masturbating egg or whatever was in there. Sarah Zhang was in there. Obviously, that of which we do not speak of was in there. So it was the whole crew. Every uh, detestable cry bully in tech media got together and they all had themselves a cry. Uh, I labeled this cry space. I'm trademarking that, by the way. Um, And while this was all going on, I saw maybe the best of Twitter that I've ever seen. I saw people making jokes. I saw people laughing. I saw people having a good time, um, which is something that if you've been a part of, if you're someone that does what I do, which is I, I spend time on there to look at media and look at stories and obviously do my own form of shit posting. Um, it, it was a glorious evening. <laughs> Even even if the bird site went down last night and forever and here we are just all gathered here talking about it, I would still just be laughing at what I saw. I really kind of hoped it went down because that little pathetic display from, again, the former cool kids table who I said a few episodes ago are just bereft with grief that they had their favorite toy taken away from them. Um. It was a sight to behold. And what I'll say is what I saw from the majority of Twitter, like I follow people from all over. I follow journalists. I follow sports accounts. I follow sports journalists. I follow uh, fun anonymous accounts. I follow some of you guys um, and only for four ninety nine, I will follow you now. Um, and what's so interesting is what I saw 
was this one little group of journos just could they they were comparing it to the Titanic. <laughs> and if you went in, if you looked around Twitter, nobody else had the nobody else was sitting there. If you need me, I'll be over on Mastodon. Like nobody. Nobody. You could go read some sports journalists and they were just tweeting their sports games. And if you uh, were looking at uh, tech analysts and things like that, no, nah, everyone's just kind of doing their thing. And uh, it was such uh, a funny, fun, interesting night that really brought out the best of what I think Twitter is. And if those people are sad and if those people, you know, are over now huddled on Mastodon, which has some interesting sponsors and some interesting coding issues of its own, I would not recommend joining it. Let me put it that way. Um, if that's where they're all going to go to watch these group of people who abused the power that they had to try and get anyone that disagrees with them banned off that platform, not harassment. That's not what I'm talking about, but we saw people just getting, kicked off this platform for the littlest of infractions, one being the Babylon Bee, which was restored uh, today. And to see these people just completely sitting there, uh, just empty-handed in tears, uh, brought such an enormous smile to my face. And what I mean by I saw the best of Twitter is that is a platform that that small group of cry bullies thinks belongs to them. It's theirs and we're going to run it. And they're all of their friends were inside that building. And so they could declare something disinformation. They could just call up Kate Starbird or they could call up Nina Jankowicz and they could call up Yul Roth and say, Hey, you need to ban this account or you need to shadow ban this account. Okay. Yes, sir. We'll do that. That's gone. It's over. And if that is the if that is how Twitter is now, then I am completely content with one, it's staying as it is now or even going under. I don't care. The funniest thing is to watch these people kind of act like, you know, peppy chonk ass 692020 leaving Twitter to go to Gab to be with his friends and to, to see these people who had all the influence and all the power of Twitter just three months ago now bereft with grief and just sitting there colorless and crying and melting down um, is, is one of the best things that I've seen of the year as far as media is concerned. Ben Collins, favorite NBC 4chan reporter, tweeting through it last night. For what it's worth, I don't think there will be a big apocalyptic day after tomorrow style moment on where Twitter ends. The glitches have already piled up. People who left are predicting outages. But most importantly, it's unclear how the company is going to make money now. Just like dead malls don't die overnight, degradation is a slow trickle until it isn't. Eventually, you stop going to that mall when the parking lot starts growing weeds and even Sparrow has bounced. The experience is getting degrading in small ways and might in some big ways. It'll be fine. It's a very funny moment in history. If the site survives with a skeleton crew of red-pilled Silicon Valley guys who have talked advertisers into rejoining a hamstrung site where the CEO posts InfoWars stuff, good on them. I just don't see it. <laughs> uh, he is also still tweeting today, by the way. Um, their problem is, is the same problem 
that anybody on the conservative right abandoning Twitter for Parler or Gab or True Social or whatever, whatever platform they decide to go to is eventually all you're doing is creating echo chambers. Twitter's power is in uh, the personalities, that the power is in the fact that celebrities and politicians want to be on it and think that they need to be on it. Um, and that is generally how Twitter's power grew. Twitter's power to me is not its advertisers, it's its user base. So until Barack Obama abandons Twitter for Mastodon um, and the White House stops tweeting and government officials stop tweeting, um, they can stomp their feet all they want because there's not going to be a replacement for it. There's um, calls both within the federal government to nationalize it now that treat it like it's a public utility. We saw Ed Markey threatening the CEO, Elon Musk, over it. And I think what's interesting is this whole kind of thing over the last two to three days is just shown people for who they kind of really are with this thing. And once again, it was, you know, the normie accounts and some of the fun anonymous accounts. And again, some accounts in media as well that um, I just saw just having a, a hooting good old time last night. And so that's what we're here to talk about tonight. Um, I'm sorry if you're not on the platform, it's, this is all kind of news, but uh, basically um, they think that the website's dead and it's going to go away. Well, if, if you've lived through <laughs> GeoCities and if you've lived through Tumblr and if you've lived through MySpace, those websites don't go down because ownership changes or the philosophy behind it changes or unbanned accounts. Those websites go down because people simply stop using them. As someone who has uh, been through that and who's in MySpace even shaped a part of my future career, um, not this one. Um, eventually, people just stop using the platform, and that's why these platforms go away and new things pop up. They don't go away because a certain uh, group of privileged white journos tell people to stop using it. That, to me, increases usage because it it offers a much larger conversation and a much more interesting conversation. Uh, Elon Musk today announced that Jordan Peterson, the Babylon Bee and Kathy Griffin, three hilarious co comedic accounts, by the way, um, were, were all unbanned. And uh, we <laughs> the funniest thing is within five minutes, uh, Jordan Peterson was already melting down again. He, uh, I made a joke on Twitter. He was like Brooks walking out of Shawshank prison. <laughs> He's not going to make it on the outside. I don't understand this new platform. Um, and so, uh, but yeah, I think that those are perfectly acceptable accounts. I think him unbanning Kathy Griffin is just kind of like, I can take a joke um, as good as anyone. Uh, there was a great video today of uh, Elon Musk leaving Twitter today in his Tesla. He has a black Tesla. And there were reporters all standing outside. And if you haven't seen it, it's on my timeline. It's it's wonderful. It's great. Uh, a black SUV pulls out and blocks them. And then he kind of drives and makes a left-hand turn. And they all just lose their shit. Ah, d d <laughs> and so I guess what I say, uh, as well as Yule Roth in the New York Times had an op-ed, and he's basically signaling what their next move is going to be, which is getting Twitter removed from the app store of Google and Apple. And so uh, you do see this constant push to rip Twitter away from this guy. And you have to understand that the motivation is simply coming down to it's their toy and you can't have it. 
and uh, they can flock to Mastodon all they want and go create another journalist out in the open, which is what it is. Um, I did create a Mastodon account. Uh, I just parked it primarily for what I do is I want to go and read. And what I can tell you is all they're talking about on Mastodon right now is Twitter. And there's some onanists and some hentai shit happening, but that's going to, you know, that's going to, the journals are going to run into some content that they're not going to like over on Mastodon. Let me put it that way. I also noted in Mastodon's, I combed through that site quite a bit today. And uh, I noticed their, uh, their rules and their terms of service. And they have one that says it's important to review servers, your followers. So in Mastodon, you go and you create a server sort of like this. It's you create a server and people can join it and you're, uh, you're a dev and then you can control, have a conversation or whatever. It's not really like open public or private uh, like Twitter is, but it says it's important to review servers your followers belong to. You may toggle an option to approve and reject new followers manually in the settings Please keep in mind the operators of the server and any receiving server may view such messages and that recipients may screenshot, copy, or otherwise reshare them. Do not share any sensitive information over Mastodon. Good job, journos. You picked a good one. Also, their server rules, sexually complicit or violent media must be marked as sensitive when posting. Okay, that's not bad. No racism, sexism, homophobia, transphobia, xenophobia, or uh, casteism. Okay, we can all get behind that one. No incitement of violence or promotion of violent ideologies. Okay. Well, we don't, we don't want incitement of violence, but now you're getting into the weeds of promotion of violent ideologies. No harassment, dogpiling, or doxing of other users. I can get behind two of those. No content illegal in Germany. And this is where I would recommend people start looking up German speech laws. Uh, even if you are a U.S.-based journalist or if you are just someone on uh, – if you're a normie with an account, I would suggest learning uh, online German laws. I've been reported on Twitter previous by European users that say, you know, my content doesn't come in compliance with German speech law. And they don't take the tweet down. They, they just tell you that this was a violation. It also says do not share intentionally false or misleading information. Well, Aaron Rupar and others are going to have a problem with that one. So good luck, guys. Enjoy your new platform. Um, so <laughs> if you can tell, I'm I'm pretty revved up for a Friday night. I've been in, I've been enjoying a lot of this. Now, I do think that Musk has some things he needs to work out, and people are going to stand back. One is he basically said free speech is not free reach, and this is essentially YouTube's policy. And he said any negative tweets will be demonetized or downboosted. And he needs to clarify exactly what that means. And I think that especially the tech journos, the, the, the people who think that they run Twitter, um, they don't really understand what people like me or on the political right really want. We don't we're not out here to harass. We're not out here to you know run around screaming the N word or anything like that. We want these rules applied equally. Okay, that's it. Simple as that. We don't want Twitter's uh, tech army of rainbow-haired furries putting their thumb on the scale because of politics. And that's ultimately what Twitter became and why it is what it is now and why most of those employees no longer work there. It is that simple. Twitter created the conditions for where they are now. And you have an owner who does not subscribe to the same ideologies as kind of the woke group think in Silicon Valley. And they're having a very hard time uh, struggling with that, shall we say. 
And so that's my monologue. That's my speech to kind of get this kicked off. And uh, like I said, um, I guess pour one out for them and tell me what you'll miss most about um, the Ben Collinses and the Lorenzes and the Kate Starbirds and the Charlie Warzels and the Brian Stelters and uh, the Oliver Darcy had himself a moment too writing at CNN that Twitter perhaps only has hours or days to live. <laughs> we as a society could only be so lucky. Uh, I'm going to jump in. Yeah, just saying I'm jumping in again for Eric. Eric's back there a couple times, so I want to bring him up and uh, say welcome. And uh, go ahead, Eric. What? How did you feel about what you saw last night? And are, are you going to somehow make it? Are you going to be okay without Twitter somehow, some way? Uh, we also had one other... Um, we had one other, uh, give me one second here. I have to refresh. Um, uh, from a mark, how do we go on without Twitter was, uh, this was from, I believe Bloomberg, but the guy cut it off. So Eric, how are you dealing? How are you grieving? Are you? Uh, I, I'm just doing just fine. I, I just saw must just put up a poll to, to whether or not to, let Donald Trump back on the platform, which, like, for me, like, I don't really care one way or the other. But did, did you vote on the poll? That much... Yes, I voted yes. But okay. like, if he's not let back on, it's not going to like cause me tears and gnashing of teeth and wailing and all that stuff. But like, uh, I I just found it. I, I just found it how I mean, it's great how he's having so much fun with the platform and not trying yeah. to be like the, the savior of the world with the yeah. platform he's just like oh here's a cool tool that like a lot of people enjoy i'm not gonna try to turn it into a messiah like company you know <laughs> like yeah that's right that's why i really like his this, attitude that he has on this, it, so this this plays into the sbf thing and i talked a little bit about this in last night's episode and on the podcast that you have an entire kind of tech industry where the people who run these platforms, people that run Facebook, people that run Amazon, people that whatever, they all buy into that altruistic bullshit, okay? And as did the people at Twitter, where they believe their company is here to save mankind. It's here to do goodism and long-termism and all whatever like this and that. And the problem with that is then there's a political ideologies who are like asking questions like, um, hey, why are you trying to force us to eat bugs? And that to them is a threat. And that is, you know, if you if you said even the thing where just a boy cannot have a baby, men cannot get pregnant, a month ago, you could very well lose your Twitter account just for that. Because Twitter was being run by these Silicon Valley freaks who looked at that as hate speech and they looked at whatever. And it's like, you need to go. And you hit a very important point, which is he's, I don't want to say he's making it fun again, but I can tell you, I don't think that I'm going to lose my account every day now. Um, and I think a lot of people feel that way. There's a, <laughs> there is an account I follow called uh, Confirmed Miser. And some of you have seen me uh, tweet this guy out. Just He's one of these just anonymous shit posting guys. And uh, his handle is Man Dave Good Job or Job Good. Um, and Ben Collins says uh, on his tweet, for what I, for what it's worth, I don't think there will be a big apocalyptic day after tomorrow style moment where Twitter ends. 
The glitches have already piled up. People have left to predict an outages and confirmed Miser tweeted at him. The glitches that I can say, shut the fuck up, you fucking dork to you without you reporting me to some transgender furry to get me banned. Uh, that's, that's essentially how I feel. And it's not, you know, it's not anti-trans to express that sentiment or anything like that. And that's what they don't understand. So, and Eric, I don't want to monologue on your head here, but you bring up an important point about making, making Twitter fun again and not trying to make it a platform that is here to save the world. That doesn't mean important information isn't shared on Twitter. Iranian protests, obviously, the women protesting in Iran used Twitter as a tool, but it's also used as an organizing tool by, you know, Antifa, for example. And whenever you brought that up, people like Ben Collins just go, Antifa doesn't exist. And uh, he's lost all of his power and he needs to just go back to being a, a fun little Joy Reid uh, reporter getting trolled. Yeah, yeah definitely. It's... Um... It's 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 gonna be it's gonna be fun when uh, a lot of the oldies but goodies get uh, uh, freed from Ursula's. Like uh, I always feel like the Twitter souls are like the uh, in the movie like the Little Mermaid when all the uh, other other uh, uh, people have made like their bets with the devil like uh, get freed. So yeah, it's a little bit too uh, weird of a uh, a vision, but. Uh, but anyways, uh, one last, you know, one last thing, I, like, I, this is like more the, my pent up election, uh, take that, uh, I'm still astonished that we have two congressional races in California that still have less than 80% of the vote counted. And yet like our stupid effing gov- governor, like tries to, pass off our state as like some innovative haven and i'm just like why don't you just try to get the vote counted within 72 hours like well why don't we just do that first before you try to pass yourself off as uh patrick bateman you know united states messiah you know but that's just my pent-up uh you know election uh takes but yeah i mean everyone myself included made the comparison that florida got hit florida had an election got hit by a hurricane roads got destroyed and within two days roads were rebuilt in arizona and california and new york are still counting votes um i I don't know how much how how easier to put that um but yeah i mean california is obviously a mess there's no other way to put it and so, and it's, it, you just had a complete exodus of people and you might be seeing an exodus of Twitter's headquarters now out of uh, Silicon Valley. Yeah. So Eric, I'll give you a last one. Uh, one, yeah. one funny thing that I'm looking at here, Shantmus Robian, while we're just on this topic, Shantmus Robian, who's a, a good writer and another good follower. He's, uh, he writes Inquire and he also has Inquire more at Substack. Um, the funny thing about how overwrought it was last night, I mean, they, they, they thought that their whole bird app was just going to implode and they were gonna, we were going to wake up and it was going to be gone or whatever. And uh, as, of course, everything ran fine today, like somebody made a comment where if Twitter is a company where you have 1,200 people and the site is running as it should, that should tell you something about how old Twitter was being run. 
Shamazrobian says, in hindsight, staging a fake made-up funeral for Twitter with cheesy overrock goodbyes to, to one another as if they are graduating high school is exactly what you'd expect from a class of people made up almost entirely of former theater kids. <laughs> and that's exactly, if you were witnessing, you had all of these saying, I'm over on, I'm over on Mastodon, goodbye. And uh, again, I just... I know that I follow the right people and I know that I have a lot of good people who follow me as well, who are just sitting back in awe of this and just, in, just enjoying, enjoying how it was all unfolding. So Eric. Yeah. Just what, yeah. Well, let's say uh, a slightly different thing with the, uh, I didn't get a chance to, um, in the, your chat yesterday with the, uh, with the crypto, uh, can't, I can't keep the acronym straight, like TPS or TSX or whatever it is. FTX um, is the company and SBF is the terrorist who is in charge of it. Okay. FTX. Okay. Uh, like as a person who's worked in public accounting in, in the past, like I'm just amazed that like, so like from what other people have been saying and so I've been reading that so many like reputable companies and people like trusted their money with them, like given that, they like had no audited financial statements, like didn't really even, from what I understand, like didn't even explain their revenue model, like to like uh, investors and things like that. And so it's just, and it's just like so rich that I mean, it's rich to me that like all the people that, that scolded, scolded the, you know, the um, financial or accounting firms, like, during Enron and um, and during the financial you know crisis, and somewhat rightly so, are like totally just like bereft, and that like they don't like almost like they don't want to know what why they missed it, and uh, that's and that's just my final word. But thanks, Steve, for uh, holding this call in. Uh, thanks, Eric. Um, let me get back here a little bit. Yes, I'm skipping you again, just saying. You're just going to have to wait. Uh, let's get... Really going to hurt. Trip! Oh, what happened? Oh, shit. Oh, hold on. Oh, fuck. Oh. Sorry, I hit a I hit a button and I just lost my whole interface. I just I just had a panic. I thought that I just killed the room ironically wouldn't that be great if that happened we just like in the middle of this i just like hit end room um sorry about that i I just i got a little goofy there i lost i just i was trying to move you up and i lost my screen and i panicked so but go ahead oh no i I had a little panic there myself because i'm sitting here doing dishes and shit um i'm i'm just catching up on everything uh i spent the last from Wednesday until Saturday at a wedding out in Palm Springs. So I'm behind on everything, just catching up. So I've got a lot of sporadic comments here. Um, My election thoughts on election night were kind of echo yours in the fact that glad that the seems like, we'll say seems like the Republican electorate is finally moving on. My, My sort of overarching GOP will be introspective and it seems like Democrats are not and are sort of going with we're on the right track. So that's how it's up pretty well for DeSantis 2024 being from Florida would love that. Um, So there's that. Um, 
another another funny thing. Oh, God damn it. Um, another funny thing. Sorry, dog's going nuts right now. Um, Throw it in the yard, Trip. I'm joking. Go ahead. It's fine. <laughs> um, oh yeah. Other thing. What are you drinking? Heard you heard you crack something. What are you drinking? I don't want to. I don't want to tell you what I'm drinking because, as I said, as just someone who's kind of trying to lay off the sauce a little bit while I'm just trying to get in better shape, is I will tell you that it is something light, and that is all. There we go. I love to hear you drinking Miller Light. Um, <laughs> Uh, it's not yeah, even so, it's not even that so yeah so so being so behind on everything um kind of glad you didn't have a podcast today because i'm still half a podcast behind oh there um, you go you're welcome was running in, yeah right it was, people uh, like was wonder like what running. happens and sometimes it's just personal sometimes I'm, I'm hitting writing deadlines and sometimes it's a pet emergency as i always try to be up i just try to be up front with people and I was doing some writing this morning because people are like, well, he's on Twitter. And it's like, yeah, I have a phone, jackholes. Um, <laughs> so I was doing some writing this morning and I, I had to run some errands today. And then I had to, I had to go do my I had to go to my training session and it went over. And then I had to do something. I just was like, I'm not going to be able to do this because um, it takes sometimes it can take me an hour sometimes it can take me two hours sometimes three hours to to record depending on what the topic could have cranked one out if i really pushed for it don't clip that um but uh i was just like eh, just i'll come on tonight and we'll do this and do it maybe for a couple of hours and then i'll just do the podcast tomorrow whatever so it's good i'm glad i'm glad that i could at least uh uh yeah so i was uh on the way to work listening to you and then halfway cut off through that podcast where you mentioned um muting muting new blue checks and so i was like oh shit i guess i gotta hit the super follow to make sure i'm not one of these fucking idiots no i've i get to by you i for the most part have stopped doing that because it's hopeless um I just, I mean, I'm kind of just trying to adapt to what Twitter is now, where I have a verified column and it doesn't really mean anything. Um, it's still a pain in the ass. Like if I want to retweet my pieces that say spectator examiner send out, I have to just troll through hundreds and hundreds of now verifieds to just find my work. And I think that that's a problem. And I don't know how this is all going to work still because verification should be identity verification. It's not a status symbol and must kind of, it is, it is in a way because people made it that um, we're, you know, we're verified and you're not, and you have to listen to us. One of the funniest days on Twitter was what, a few months ago where the blue checks all disappeared, like pe pe blue verified people couldn't tweet. And you saw all the unverified people just having a party. And I thought that was great. Like that's, again, that to me is like the, the funny thing about Twitter. Um, and it just makes what I do almost near to impossible or, or at least what I did and how I use the app. Um, but I've just kind of said that this is what it's going to be and you have to adapt to it. Um, I, I wish that some people in media would put their big boy pants on and just realize Yeah, 100%. So moving on to the next sporadic comment I have. Um, news came down today about Elizabeth Holmes getting 11 years. Yeah. Hilarious. I can no longer fix her. Hilarious. I thought I could. I no longer can. <laughs> I'm moving on. I don't know if they do uh, conjugal visits, but you may still have it in there. I'm not sure. 
I thought she was pregnant, uh, or or she her, she was pregnant on her way to prison, or something. I, I don't know if it was she was now, or she was like when her trial started. So no thanks. Uh, but uh, MSNBC sent out the austere religious scholar tweet today. I don't know if you saw that, but um, no. To, to, to quote, Theranos founder Elizabeth Holmes mimicked famous tech executives like Bill Gates and Steve Jobs. The difference being she failed. <laughs> my god my god Jeez. like after sbf and all this stuff like yeah right, yeah you're here it still is. It you're the, still the, you're still founder. carrying water yeah it's an opinion piece but it is on msnbc's account like it's james Sirwecki is uh yeah she just didn't she she just got a she she's not the patriarchy so um, yeah, she, that's... she just missed it. She just, you know, so close, <laughs> so close. You know, it, it, she's go. It, she goes to jail while Bill Gates remains free. Although that's tech, that know, could technically, if you want to go into the Epstein stuff, you know, it's technically factual. And Steve Jobs, of course, just went home. So, yeah, it's yeah, too bad she made the the razor flip phone instead of the iPhone, right? Right. Um, yeah, that's a fun <laughs> one. Uh, yeah, that's that's all I got for you. I think. All right, Trip. Thank you for super following, which everyone should do. I, the the thing that I noticed is that Musk now charging eight bucks for verified just killed super followers. Um, like I I have like sixty and the whatever. It's kind of a joke. It's an in joke, but um, it's not like I'm you know doing that to keep my lights on or anything like that. But it's like ever since like he started charging people eight, people are like, I'm not paying fucking eight dollars and another four to support this asshole. So whatever. That's a fun experiment that's probably going away. So well, thanks, I, I, I appreciate you, um, you know, me being the only account you'll miss on Twitter. So thank you for the follow. <laughs> <laughs> Certainly the only one, like one of my podcast people who's just like, no, it's fine that you missed today. Don't worry about it. As, po- as opposed to people threatening to kill me because they didn't get their $3 worth for the week. <laughs> so thanks, Trip. See ya. I'm going to, I just had to explain. So let's go ahead, Matt. Sorry about that. Thanks for your patience and go ahead. Uh, he's unmuted, but not hearing anything. Oh, he dropped. Let's bring him back up. Try that again. Matt, you're up. Try again. All right. You got me, Steve? I got you now. Yep, go ahead. Sorry again for uh, having okay. bumped you cool. those last couple of shows. Um, so I, I don't have much to add on the whole Twitter fiasco. It just seems kind of pretty lame. Um, but I, I do have a, a Fetterman take, and and also a, um, you know, I'm getting. It looks like I might get boned from FTX. So I don't know whichever one you want to go with. I guess. How burned? How burned are you gonna get from FTX? So I have money in an exchange related to FTX, or that apparently had some business dealing, and uh, you know, it looks it's called BlockFi. It looks like they might be going under too. So, uh, yeah, it's not gonna it's not gonna you know take me down, but um, it's also not like a bad weekend at the horse track either so uh but 
are you are you going to get completely out of crypto or are you just going to do more diligence with it or what like what i don't want to say lesson because i don't want to say you learned a lesson but if there's something like are you going to just be like i'm done with this now or are you going to get into coinbase or robin hood or or what yeah no i want i want to stay in it um i think there's like there's this phrase people have been saying uh not your keys not your coin i guess so that's like kind of the one lesson that uh you know i've picked up from this but uh no i'd like to stay in it but uh what kills me about FTX is, you know, how many, how many times are we going to go through this thing where we romanticize these uh, quirky, young, eccentric, whiz kid entrepreneurs, and then just get uh, boned by them in the end? You know, like you know Elizabeth Holmes, you had the WeWork guy, you had the Firefest guy. And like these people were all annoying before they ripped off people to the tune of yeah. dollars. Yeah. So I just as, don't get it why we keep like romanticizing them. As long as there are people who keep telling those people what they want to hear, they will keep coming. And this whole thing about effective altruism is you basically have an entire generation coming up with this philosophy and they just think it's cool. Um uh, I read a piece today in Semaphore about, you know, the guys, there's a, there's a thing called the Center for Effective Altruism, and they supposedly had red flags on this guy in 2018, and I'm kind of like, there's a center for this thing? Like, this isn't like, like, like again, I hear that, and I'm like, this sounds like Scientology, if I'm being honest with you, you know, like, just the whole... The whole idea, like nobody's against the idea of do-goodism, okay, or philanthropy. No one's against that. But this is a very specific way of how this is being presented. And you have the the richest people in the world, the Jeff Bezos, the Bill Gates, who are uh, ascribing to this stuff. And when I start seeing Jeff Bezos go, oh, yeah, I want in on this. I'm like, is fucking Amazon going to go under here as well? Like, how much money do people put into Amazon? Um and so it simply it simply comes down to telling these people what they want to hear. Now, does that mean that SBF believed in it? I don't know. Does that you know Elizabeth Holmes is? Does that mean that she actually believed what she was doing? I don't know. Um, to, she seems to me like a stone cold sociopath. Uh, so does this guy SBF. And again, when you see this guy talk, or just when I see him in interviews, I'm like, how is it, how? How do you have people in media, the Jim Cramers, the Chuck Todds, the Bloomberg News, the, the, you know, the people who sit on stage while this guy talks, how is your bullshit detector just not going to like Spider-Man senses of, of what the hell is, am I w- watching here? And it all comes down to just simply he's saying the right things. It, it really is that simple. And if you say the right things and if you sound like you kind of know what you're talking about, then it's here's all the money in the world, sir. Thank you. Um, and so you're going to see you're going to see more of this um, because it really does feel like like a young per like a young belief system. And part of this stems from, you know, when you scare enough young people into believing that the world is going to end via climate change in three years, you get this kind of stuff. You get this kind of. Oh, you want to, you want to help prepare for the next pandemic? Here, take all of my money, um, and that's something we just came out of. Nobody wants to fucking go through that again. Um, well, I'd argue maybe Fauci, but you get people where you know it's like, sure, yes, you're you're trying to protect me from the next pandemic. How much how, how much do you want, sir? Here's my checkbook. And so, 
as long as these people keep saying the right things, these dummy liberal elites are going to keep getting fooled because the, you're talking about a group of people who genuinely <laughs> consider they don't have the best brains. And, you know, when you look at progressivism as a whole, it's all about how you feel. Um, that's why we have to use pronouns because you don't want to insult. You don't want to make someone's feelings hurt. And it's why we have to outlaw dead naming on social media platforms. And so if you can attack that, if you can attack how someone feels as opposed to engaging with someone who can look at you and go, I think you're kind of full of shit here, man. Um, and no, I'm not giving you my money. Um, you're going to get more and more situations like this. It's, it, it really is that simple. You know, uh, yeah, it's funny. Elizabeth Holmes, uh, you know, I saw an interview with, I think his name's John Carew, the guy that kind of kind of broke the lid with her. And, uh, yeah, he was talking about how the VC, she was like the VCs, they already knew about her for years because she was pitching all these ideas and they basically laughed her out of the room because it was like science fiction to them. So like, I, don't, I don't think the investors are, a lot of them are getting fooled. I think it's the, the journalists that just fall in love with these people and just. I mean, the other part of this, why do you think that they use kids to push climate change? It's the same thing. Like Greta Thunberg is just like this. It's this, it's this long-termism and it's why I'm not going to go to school. And I made a joke today on Twitter. The fucking United Nations has a 10 year old now lecturing about climate policy. And I guess, I guess Greta just aged out. And now the UN has a 20 year old is like the UN's climate envoy. And I mean, she's kind of a smoke show, but this is what I mean is it's like, these aren't, climatologists these this is these are fucking kids and the one of the reasons they do this is so when guys like me go why the fuck am i being lectured at by a scoldy swedish teenager they you're attacking a child and that's why they did it with gun control and that's why they you know they found a group of kids from parkland and they made them the focus of it because you can't attack a child and then i and then you look at kyle rittenhouse well, i guess we can attack a child and, you know, I wrote a piece for Spectator. It's still one of my favorite pieces. And I said, the NRA should make a teenager their spokesperson. Make a 15-year-old girl <laughs> the spokesperson for the NRA and show commercials of her, you know, firing an M80, you know, machine gun and saying, you know, and just watch them, watch their brains melt. Because that whole philosophy of you can't insult teenagers will go right out the window. But that's my point is. You ask how they're falling for this. And I said, these are the people who put children up to lecture you about climatology and weather. And it's the same people. Excuse me. It's, you know, the World Economic Forum does not get enough attention for pushing this bullshit. And I guess maybe they're, uh, we're just going to end up at the point where it's like, yeah, you're all going to eat bugs. Sorry. That's where we are now. So, Matt, I'll give you the last word and then I got to move on. Okay. Yeah. I mean, um, one thing I do agree with you on is uh, this is definitely going to happen again. Um, a couple of years from now, there's going to be some dude in board shorts who's like disrupting the airline industry or something and like trading futures on like airline seats and he's going to be on fast company and we're just going to go. It's going to happen again all over again. So I'll be more careful this time. <laughs> Please do. Okay. Like, and that, I mean, it's good. To, I guess in some ways this, this crash doesn't like affect kind of the economy, but they're trying to get it to the point to where this could. Um, I mean, Ted Cruz is in Austin, Texas today talking about blockchain. And I'm just like, nope, nope. Read the room, man. Not now. Nah. 
not right now. He's like, Democrats are afraid of crypto because they did, they can't control it. And I just was like, oh, God damn it. What are you doing, man? Like, no, no, not right now. Because everyone is probably scared shitless to get into crypto. So that's why I wanted to ask you about, you know, um, if you were going to keep doing it or if you're just going to be smarter or less money about it. Um, I talk about on, you know, my podcast, I have a, I have a Coinbase account that's small balance. I'm not ready to, you know, put a down payment for a house in there yet, but um, yeah, just, just be a little bit smarter next time, Matt. Yeah, I'll be, I'll be good. I, I, I appreciate the, uh, <laughs> you know, kind words, but, uh, yeah, and by no means giving you financial advice. Mind you, <laughs> right. nobody, nobody wants to these days. All right, so have I a good night. I, and, uh, I bet if I did, I'd be better than fucking Jim Cramer, though. <laughs> or SPF for that matter. Thanks. Thanks, Matt. Uh, back here. I'm gonna break up this sauce. Courtney, did you uh, did you pour one out for our poor journos having their funeral last night on Twitter? How are you handling your grief? Are are you going to be okay? Or- Let's see if she's paying attention. Or if it's Courtney's first time, you can just uh, unmute the microphone right at the bottom. Okay, my phone was sticking. Sorry. No, Uh, go ahead. (laughs) I am just fine with it. The journals are crazy. You're not not like wearing um, black today. You're not... Drinking since 8 a.m. We will see more platforms start to try verifying users or charge for it. Like, I signed up for Twitter Blue a while ago, so I am one of the new blue checks. But I did it because I had really, well, I have really large Instagram and TikTok accounts because I'm one of those terrible influencers, but for totally lame topics. And I had my platforms hacked and there was absolutely no recourse. You can't get through to anyone. They were hacked through a TikTok bug because TikTok's awful, but I couldn't get through to anyone. So I signed up for Twitter blue because I figured it was an easier way to get a hold of someone. And actually when I had a problem with that actual bug, I could get through to someone and we stopped it faster. So do you think we're going to see that spill over into other things or will people fight that because they like this walling off of people that are exclusive? Um, if I had to guess, so I'm not, I'm not verified. An example is Instagram, for instance, verifies people. I'm not verified on Instagram. I have 85 followers on Instagram. I think it's just my personal Instagram and whatever. And I thought about tr- just trying to see if I could get verified on Instagram, for instance, just because of my Twitter account. Uh, I've never tried it. I've never gone through with it. But um, it's an interesting question in the sense of uh, I was having this conversation with someone who's, who was doing what I was doing, which was just muting uh, ver- Twitter blue accounts now because it just it, 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 it has just rendered and destroyed the verified column that some of us use for our work or for, you know, to keep tabs on, you know, who's replying to you in a conversation or news outlets or whatever. And so they basically just said, you know, people want class. People want a distinction. People want, 
you know, to log on and then see what some people are saying. And that could be celebrities. It could be journalists. It could be media outlets. It could just be people like me who are independent media for the most part. And I kind of agree with that. And that's what I've kind of seen, which is uh, the old blue checks, the ones that are pre-verified. That's generally the consensus. And uh, I don't care. I'm not like whatever. I'm, it's useless. But if to see other platforms do it would be interesting. Um, Instagram could probably make millions of dollars if they did that. But then, and, and I know getting verified on Instagram is really kind of the same as Twitter. The, the blue check is one of those things we're going to be seeing on VH1. I, I hated the 2010s, you know, in 30 years. And uh, so it is kind of a symbol. And it's only because people put value on that symbol. And, and most of all, Twitter put value on that symbol uh, at first. And so would would Instagram do it? If they needed revenue, they probably would. Because you, you have 17-year-old influencers on Instagram, and that could become a status symbol. And let's face it, 17 to 20-year-olds don't give a shit about what happens on Boomer Twitter anymore. Um, I don't know how TikTok works. I don't have TikTok on my phone. None of you should have TikTok on your phone. Uh, but I don't know if they verify users or anything like that. No, I mean, uh, but it, 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 it's an it's an interesting question in the sense of what it says about um, class and you know hierarchy and things like that. Um, the the blue check should have always just been about identity. And this this is my problem with how he did it. Is originally to get verified on Twitter, you would have to send in your driver's license. You have to basically send in a resume that says, here's, here's what I do. You have to send in relevant web links about who you are. Um, so for me, I, you send in your driver's license. I know libertarian, I get it. Um, and then you send in, here's here, a national review. Uh, here I did some writing at Fox or whatever like that. And then it took about a week and it was like, okay, you're verified. You also have to give them your birth date. And, you, and if you take your birthday off your profile, um, they remove the check mark. And so it was more about identity than it was about, you know, the status of it or, you know, attaching the verified check mark to, to other services that Twitter could have done fine with Twitter Blue. Um, and now I have like just hundreds and hundreds of anonymous accounts with a verified blue check. And it's kind of like, okay, I get what he's doing. You've, you've leveled what it means to be verified. And in terms, you've had people now who are verified and then you've had legacy verification, which he says he's getting rid of. I don't think that that's going to happen. I think he's going to have to keep that. Um, just so people, when you go to the profile, it'll say something like now it says official. So I don't know. I don't know if other platforms will do it. Uh, because I do think that especially Instagram and with, you know, accounts that have hundreds of thousands of followers, um, that's kind of Instagram's power. You know, people doing, I don't know what you do, but, you know, interior designers and, you know, architecture and things like that, which is what I follow. Um, so I, I don't know. I don't think they would. But if they needed revenue, like if Instagram somehow needed revenue, I could see. Yeah, like I'm a food and travel photographer and writer um but i actually was verified for a while on instagram it's pretty easy if you have a lot of followers or if you're on tv and i've kind of done both but it, it was pretty easy to get through to them y you could get verified really easily on instagram i had to like send in my business license and send in like news clips and times that i've been in the newspaper on radio things like that it, w it was pretty simple but TikTok is 
a whole other thing. And I will second, no one should have that on their phone. I learned the hard way after it crashed all of my social media channels, which were huge traffic drivers to my website and a big part of my revenue. And they were able to gain access to all of my social media. And I had to go through really insane hoops to get my accounts back. Well, it was wait until you wait awful. until you hear that the the government of China has it and oh, they're yeah. Using, yeah, yeah. using it to like create fake accounts using different oh, yeah. parts of your face. Yeah, and I have I'm still getting throttled for all of it. So it's really fun. No one should use TikTok. Don't do it. Even if it's a part of your job. Don't do it. But anyways, that was interesting. Thank Thanks, Courtney. I have people saying, this is how you know. I'm, I'm sitting here still with Twitter up and I'm listening and then tweeting and people saying, this is how you know that I'm bored on call. And no, I'm not bored. Uh, I wouldn't do that. I'm, I'm, I know I'm jumbling up the, uh, the order here a bit. Um, and it's just simply because I want to get some newer people up and uh, I have the ability to do that. So I, it's just fun to kind of pull some strings. John, go ahead. Um, are you having a Twitter funeral? How are you, how are you handling the, uh, the Twitter? So, uh, can you hear me? Yep. You're, you're good. Go ahead. All right. Good stuff. Sorry. Never done this before. First time, long time. So, um, I wanted to talk a little bit about what happened last night with the funeral and kind of apply it to what you do. Maybe, um, just to get this out of the way, I work in manufacturing and I support, uh, production servers. I might go on a little bit of a rant here, so feel free to stop me anytime. Nope, go ahead. Um, so our production servers, if they shut down, it costs my company probably millions of dollars an hour. And that's kind of what I do for my job. So uh, I don't consider myself an expert in, in Twitter at all, but I kind of know what's going on in the background a little bit. Um, and one of the things – let's talk about what Twitter is. Twitter is essentially a database that you're writing to – and you're reading from, okay? There's, of course, many, many different types of things on top of this, many features, DMs, adding videos, all kinds of stuff. I'm not taking anything away from these engineers themselves. Um, but at its base, it's code on a server sitting in a server farm running probably on multiple across multiple servers, right? So I want to read kind of two tweets that were sent to me in DMs last night. Uh, the first one is from Alex Heath. He is an editor at Verge. Uh, story to be updated soon with more. I'm hearing that several, quote, critical infrastructure engineering teams at Twitter have completely resigned. Quote, you cannot run Twitter without this team, one current engineer tells me of one such group. Uh, the second tweet comes from Natasha Tiku, who is a tech writer at the Washington Post, formerly with both, Wired. Both of these people were in the, uh, the, 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 the Twitter space wake last night. Yes, yes. These And the point of me reading these tweets is these are people who should know what's going on here. <clears throat> so Natasha TQ, three exclamation points, quote, I know of six critical systems, like serving tweets levels of critical, which no longer have any engineers. There is no longer even a skeleton crew manning the system. It will continue to coast until it runs into something, and then it will stop. So... Do these journals know what they're talking about? I mean, when you're talking about a server and, and how this runs, no, it's not going to. It's not going to shut off. That's the simple answer. But yeah, keep going. Yes. Yeah. Well, yeah. That's my point. Do they know what they're talking about, or do, or do they not know? If they do know, they should know better. And that's the point. Um, but no, when you're they're, talking, they're coming. They're coming from an ideological point 
there, there's two reasons why you're seeing this, especially from tech reporters. They're losing all of their sources inside that building. That's number one. That's why you're seeing this level of hysteria where people that have been feeding them tips for weeks about what Musk is doing or even prior to that, people, you know, uh, people that would feed them sources about, you know, what's going on inside of Twitter and how they're changing things and whatever is you have to understand that they're losing their sources. And when you lose Correct. your sources on a platform that they spend most of their fucking days on, and that's really all they do is work from tweets. When you really get down to what Ben Collins does, he literally just writes about fucking tweets. He's, he is a glorified BuzzFeed employee. Okay. And so that's the first reason why you're seeing the panic. The second is they're being, they're being told this stuff by people who don't like Elon Musk by engineers who have been fired or they've quit. And then their first goal is to go contact a reporter that they, they know. So it's either the guy at The Verge. Um, I, I think I said on one of these, the editor-in-chief of The Verge used to be my neighbor in Brooklyn. And it was always funny because I always knew who that fat fuck was. And he never really kind of knew who I was. But he literally <laughs> lived right down the hall from me. Um, Leon Wolf of The Blaze had a great tweet about this. Uh, and I think this is mainly about Yul Roth in The New York Times. And he said, I have no idea if they might be right, but laid off disgruntled employee says there's no way this company can go on without me is not a claim that is normally repeated uncritically in the news for reasons that should be perfectly obvious. And so that's, that's why you're seeing this. And also no tech reporters don't really know tech. Okay. They get put on the beat of tech. This is why someone like Ben Collins is so funny to me because this is a guy who probably never looked at Reddit or 4chan until NBC went and said, you're the 4chan guy now. And then he looked at it and his face melted. Okay. These are not, these are not reporters that are steeped in this and maybe they become steeped in it and they become experts and stuff and, um, and disinformation and all of the shit, but they're generally not people. If you work at the verge, you should be. And this is, this to me is the big, one of the biggest changes in journalism. If you worked at Wired, Wired used to be an extremely smart magazine because it had reporters and writers that knew what they were talking about in areas like this. And now Wired is a blog that is hiring former salon employees, you know, or Slate. And that's the problem with what journalism has become. And it's because these outlets, they hire 20 something, 25 year olds because they think that these are the writers that are going to get the younger audience's eyeballs on their outlets. That's why you see 50 Taylor Lorenz clones now at, you know, tech reporters at NBC and things like that. It's almost like it's an audition for a part now. And it's not someone who knows the ins and outs of this. So that's why you're seeing this. Um, and I'll let, I mean, I'll let you go ahead with, you know, why they don't know what they're talking about with how service. Yeah, so I mean, essentially, there's a lot of these services that are running on all kinds of different services or servers. These servers aren't going to shut off unless somebody shuts them off. Yes, some code can crash. Yes, a feature may they go could down. get hacked. And that's I think that that's, yeah, they I can get that hacked. That's a legitimate concern with all of this, right? Is if you have a skeleton crew, do you have? I mean, but you, that means you could have three guys. You would have a, a morning shift guy, an evening shift guy, and then a graveyard shift guy who monitors this stuff. I don't know why you need Correct. 50, you know, 100, 200 people doing this. Um, again, I'm naive about that as well. But what's funny to me is if Twitter is working on a skeleton crew and it's the ship is sinking as we're being told, I woke up this morning, 
I had zero problems with the app today. Zero. That doesn't Same mean here. that doesn't mean that there's not some things in the background that are happening at Twitter or whatever. I guess Elon Musk sent out an email saying, you know, can anyone code or whatever? And the journals all like went full panic. And it's kind of like that seems like a pretty standard email for a Musk, who's an engineer and runs a fucking electric car company, whose his cars are all run by computers. Okay, so it's not like this guy doesn't have the resources to call up one of the coders he knows at Tesla and says, hey, I'm going to send a jet. Can you come to Twitter for a few hours? Sure. You know, um, but yeah, I mean, I, I got up. The app worked. It was fine. And I'm here looking at desktop and eh, desktop's OK. Um, but if it's running fine and a company of 1200 people, that should kind of tell you how Twitter was being run. Correct. And. I mean, this, this, these things can be left alone for weeks, maybe even months. Some services can go down, some things can go down, but unless it goes really sideways, the core of Twitter is going to be fine. Uh, he, he's got plenty of time to get other engineers in there to learn the code, do whatever he wants. I bet so, he already does. That's the thing. Like, he's not like, he's like fucking Willy Wonka of Silicon Valley. He can call people. <laughs> And this can oh, come, yeah. like David Sachs is working with him and Jason Kalkanis is working with him. And these are all guys who built these platforms. They built fucking PayPal. Okay. So they can come in and they know guys and they'll just fly them in and be like, Hey, I'm going to, I'm sending the jet to, uh, I don't know. I'm sending the jet to Los Angeles. We're flying you up to San Francisco for the day. Don't worry about everything you paid for. Uh, we'll get you a hotel or you can crash at buddy's house. Uh, I just need you to come in and look at some things. Okay. And they go, okay. Cause he knows that me Musk is going to pay him $30,000 for three days of work. Yeah. And, and the whole point of this is you have journalists who should know better, but don't unironically and at face value quoting an angry fired engineer who is saying I was the best employee in the world and all of my systems I'm the only one who can run them and they will go down if I am not there <laughs> and and people like Ben Collins who's supposed to find misinformation wherever it may be Ben buddy these people this Alex Heath Natasha Tiku they were the ones who started this panic last night yeah. they were journalists with blue check marks verified who started this? It's like throwing out, anonymous, throwing out anonymous claims, like right. just the, throwing them out there, basically saying that this this is the end, folks, because X Y Z, my source, isn't there to look over a, a laptop anymore. It's like, dude, Ben Collins, the misinformation is coming from inside the house. But they know that, and they don't. <laughs> they, they genuinely don't care about the misinformation. They're pushing a point of view, which is Twitter is going to fail under Elon Musk and it's going to get shut down. And we told you so. And oh, by the way, we now the world is worse off for it. And I'm kind of looking at Elon Musk's history and I'm like, what has he done that's really like completely blown up in his face? And I mean, you can look at how companies work and some don't work and whatever, but I'm kind of like, I, I don't know. I, I don't know what Musk is going to do with Twitter. I said he couldn't make it worse, and I think he did with the verification thing. Um, but I don't. I don't mistrust that he knows what he's looking at, and he knows people that he can bring in. He can fire, you know, somebody who just wears their pronouns on their T-shirt, and he can bring in an engineer who isn't so much politically ideologically driven, and which is what this is about. This is about the fact that they lost their toy to come, you know, that they, that they had pretty much control over ever since Jack Dorsey decided he was going to make, he was going to placate journalists over politics and Trump. And 
Elon Musk to me comes across, I mean, he has an ideology. He's, he, he does dabble in politics, but that doesn't seem to be his primary thing here. His primary thing here looks like he's going to come in, wants to clean the platform up. He wants to make it profitable again. And I said this last night, I think I said this where I just think he looks at Twitter differently than how someone like Ben Collins or even Jack Dorsey looks at Twitter. And I think he looks at it as a technology company, a communications platform. I think Elon Musk is closer to Mark Zuckerberg than, you know, Jack Dorsey in a sense, where Zuckerberg is, is juggling all kinds of, you know, politicians and regulations and political aisles because Mark Zuckerberg is smart. He's a, he's a fucking autistic robot, but he's smart. And he knows that, hey, uh, yeah, Real Daily Wire is one of my top, you know, trends. And just because Brian Stelter, no longer employed, by the way, is getting in my craw over misinformation, misinformation, Ben Shapiro, Ben Shapiro, doesn't mean that I have to fucking live. Yeah, and as my last little go away here, going through Ben Collins' Twitter feed from last night, overnight, and this morning was... <laughs> I could not stop yeah. laughing. It's, it's just a complete clown show. Yeah, and he's a and he's a paid MSNBC journalist, and he's just he's over what? Like he's not even really. He's just saying, "I told you so." And it's what have you been tell? Like told us what? Like it's fine. It's running fine. And yeah, I mean, maybe the company goes under in three years, or it does become MySpace. But yeah, this is. This is what I mean about we're, we're sitting here watching this happen and they're just in their Twitter space, just just grieving with each other. And it's like, you guys are supposed to be fucking professionals, <laughs> not having like, you know, a, a journal meltdown on what is happening with, again, your your previously former toy. Uh oh. Okay, he dropped. Sorry, I, we had a we had a freeze there. We had a we had a glitch there. Uh, Brandon, hold tight. I'm going to bring up Christopher here. I'm going to go for a little while longer. Maybe try to do two hours here. Christoph, go ahead. Yeah, um, yeah. I actually just kind of had similar comments to the last guy. So, um, like, I used yeah. to work at a couple. Yeah. Of yeah, he got cut off, but I just wanted to say that's great. Knowledge and information. So, if you want to expand, please do. Yeah, I, I used to work at a couple um, big tech companies, um, and I was often on call um, Friday nights, keeping the website up, and um, you know, much bigger website than Twitter. And um, I, I just think that in this day and age, like in the year twenty twenty two, it's actually relatively easy to keep large websites running because. I'd say like we had some big outages, but 99% of the time it's like either you roll back some code or you restart servers or you add more servers and like that's pretty much about it. And um, it's not things that require like esoteric knowledge of something or other. Um, yeah, and, and nowadays every every tech company is using like the same kind of deployment systems and they're all using AWS or some equivalent. I think Twitter might use AWS now. Um, yeah, and so, yeah, just my general point is I, I think is, like it's kind of hilarious. Explain what AWS is for the for the normies. Yeah, so Amazon Web Services is, uh, it, it basically, so back in the day, companies would have to like manage their own data centers and they'd have to buy their own servers and they'd have to hire people to like install them and keep them running and fix them when they went down. And um, 
Amazon just kind of made it all into a service on the cloud where you can just order them from home. And um, it really enabled, um, uh, it, it made it way easier to do software startups than, than 20 years ago. Um, and just, yeah, it's a, that's, that's, it, there's more to it than that, but that's essentially it. You don't, you don't need to hire these big IT teams anymore to, to keep these things running. One of the funniest things is when you look at Mastodon, as I said, I, I was kind of poking around there a little bit um, and reading a lot about it because I'm kind of like, the journals really aren't this stupid to go to an open source unencrypted platform, are they? And they did. <laughs> uh-huh, I know. Mastodon looks yeah. like just reading about it. There was a guy who hacked the passwords at Mastodon, and he did it just by changing a few lines of codes and re-inputting them into Google Chrome. And I'm like, how, like, how do journalists not... I get that twitch behind my eye when I read shit like that. And I posted the link on Twitter where the guy just talks about how he's, he was able to just uh, adjust a few lines of code, put them into a Google Chrome extension, and he had passwords. And I'm just like, how the fuck? Like, how the hell do you think that that website is more secure than Twitter right now? <laughs> yeah, and I, I also thought, so I don't know that much about it, but I thought they wanted like a platform that had more censorship essentially, but I, I thought Mastodon, like anyone can create an account. Like there's nothing stopping Trump from creating a server. That would be funny as hell. Zone, right? Like if, if Trump <laughs> just went over to Mastodon like tomorrow, just they would lose their minds. And just, he's not smart enough. And, but if I was, if I was like advising him, I'd just go, sir, you love trolling. Do you love trolling? Go over and create a Mastodon account right now, and when watch all the fucking peppy red hat brigade come over there, and like someone someone made a joke about like the onanists are probably upset that suddenly their feeds are just filled with SNL breakdowns and and video clips. <laughs> like it's like journals come. It's like journals landing on an island, right? And then realizing the natives are all cannibals, and they're going, "Oh, maybe this isn't our home now." And that's what I mean. Like, they're, they're going to be right back on Twitter. Like, if you look today, you know, every other every last night on CrySpace, um, God, I should have named this room that. Look, I'll do, the, I'll do another one of these tomorrow. Um, God, fuck, I should have named that now. Um, but every single one of them is, like, cross-posting from Mastodon to Twitter. And I'm like, this is exactly how accounts acted when they went to Parler. Like, have some fucking dignity, guys. Like, what are you doing? <laughs> They're literally just acting like all the, you know, conservative accounts that went over to the parlor when Trump was banned or something. Yeah, that's exactly right. Um, yeah, but I'm, I'm super entertained by the whole thing. I'm, and I thought Freedom Friday was just hilarious. Um, yeah, that's all I really got. <laughs> thanks, Chris. Thanks for your uh, thanks for your. Yeah, if I if I can make yeah, one more, go ahead, go ahead. <laughs> oh yeah, one more. Con- I just want a yes or no guess as to what you're drinking. Is it um, white claw? No, I don't drink white. No, it's not white claw. I don't drink okay. white claw. So, um, <laughs> no, it's something light. I'm I'm way too embarrassed, and we'll just leave it at that. It's, it is a <laughs> well, that's light. Why I guess white claw, but okay, okay. One, one, I don't generally drink a lot of beer because I just I don't like. 
I don't like the bloat that comes with it. Um, it, it feels heavy. Um, but I can I can be like a beer snob and a beer connoisseur. I can go to breweries and stuff like that. But um, this this I'm just doing to unwind, uh, just because again, and you're not supposed to drink it all when you're doing training and stuff. I don't always hold by that, but um, no, it's just a light something, and I, I have an up I have a reputation to uphold. So that's all you're going to get out of me. <laughs> All right, that's all I got. There are good and bad versions of light beers here. Okay, Miller Lite, the champagne of beers, is a perfect, you know, post-hockey game drink. That's not what I'm having. It is a light thing. That is all. <laughs> Thanks, Christopher. Go ahead. Let's try to knock down the order here. Like I said, we'll go. I'm going to try to get through the queue here. So we'll see if um, if you were on last night. I don't know if I'm going to get to you tonight, but I'll try. Brand, uh, what are your thoughts on the on the fun funeral we saw last night? I might change the name of this room to uh, to Cry Space. That's goddamn. I'm so angry with. Me. Oh, it was uh, pretty gratifying watching the meltdown last night. Watching these guys uh, cry into their uh, into their Chardonnay. And between that and watching um, Babylon B flex this afternoon, man, I don't think I felt Schadenfreude like that for a long time. Um, <clears throat> one thing I wanted to, I, I, I guess the one take I had when I wanted to get your opinion on this too is, it kind of seems like Twitter sort of occupies the same spot in social media that Facebook did, like probably about 15 years ago, and just because of its size and its presence and its user base currently. Um, you know, even with uh, the little crybabies going away and even with, you know, the, the, the massive turnover um, of, of staff at Twitter. And as your previous caller alluded to, it doesn't really seem like they need a thousand software engineers to keep that, that platform running. Um, I, I, I don't think that is – if it's going to fail, it's, it's just it's going to fail 15 years from now. It's probably not going to happen anytime soon. And uh, a lot of that is just because you have – I mean, it's, it's really only – it's 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 the only place where you can really where, where you can where you're going to get news instantly. So, for example, um, you know, I, I spend my Sunday sitting in my recliner watching NFL Red Zone, and if a you know if a player on my team is you know is is suddenly not is is not on the field for a certain drive, I can literally go to Twitter, type his name in, and someone at, there's probably someone at the game tweeting. Oh, uh, you know, Joe Mixon just went into the tent. I'm like, oh crap. Or, uh, oh, um, you know, oh, it was it was no big deal. He just he just got his uh, his his ankle rewrapped and he's he's coming back in. You know, it's, it's, it's little things like that make Twitter incredibly correct. Valuable. And and until like those companies decide to not use it anymore, and when they stop doing it, they're not going to build a platform. Like NBC is not going to build a platform. I mean, that's what I would be looking at right now. I would I would stop. I would stop my 23-year-old tech reporters from committing seppuku, and I would start looking at maybe NBC creates a Twitter where you can go see what our reporters are live tweeting. Or like you said, CBS Sports creates a, a, a feed on the app um, where you can see what reporters, sports reporters are tweeting, for example. They'll, they'll call it something else. Um, and that's what they should be looking at doing. And they're not doing that. They're just sitting here crying about it. And you make, you bring up a point that I brought up at the beginning, which was if you, if you ventured beyond the usual suspects, the Stelters, the, the Ben Collins 
the Lorenzes, those people, those people were like ready to go full heaven's gate last night. They were ready to strap on the Nikes and drink the NyQuil cocktail. But if you ventured out like the sports reporters and other people, it was like normal night on Twitter. They didn't care. And that's what I thought was just so telling. It was kind of like there, you were literally the only fucking people freaking out. And now I know exactly who told Twitter to fucking ban the Hunter Biden story. It was every single one of you people that was in that little space, probably. And like I said, the, this Broderick guy who was fired from BuzzFeed for plagiarism, he's just one of the gang. And that's the problem is you guys created the conditions for where we are now. 100%. All you had to do, if, if you want to be honest, all they had to do was leave the Babylon Bee alone. That's it. That's pretty much why Elon Musk bought Twitter. It's like $44 million to, to free up the Babylon Bee. So we'll see if it's worth it. But again, these are people who believe this platform belonged to them. And they were the only ones who were just like having cry circles last night, like fucking Bob the Bitch Kids from Fight Club. And again, if you went to just normal accounts, like you said, sports reports, sports account and sports reporters and NFL accounts. They were they were just fine. Like it was like nothing was happening, and that's to me was was one of the most entertaining. Yeah, and um, given that nobody trusts mainstream media or takes them seriously anymore, what what Musk did was basically he he removed the gatekeepers from Twitter. So there's there's actually information out there, and contrarian opinions that people want to that that people want to read and want to engage in, and they can do that now. So if anything, you know. Twitter's audience is probably going to grow rather than recede, at least for the foreseeable future. Yeah, he he says that it's growing, and we'll see. But they said they, they you know there was someone that said they did see a, an uptick in users, and it's kind of like you you guys don't understand what people think about you, which is when you're getting people banned for jokes, or you know like what we see how you ref, you call Dave Chappelle or whatever you make it to where it's completely uninteresting where anyone with interesting debate or thoughts, and I'm not, I'm not talking about transphobia. I'm not talking about homophobia. I'm not talking about any harassment. That's not what I'm talking about. Those people will always be out there and that's what the fucking block button is for. But what exactly. I'm talking about, you know what, when, when you want to have a debate, for instance, that we're having in this country right now about puberty blockers, for instance, right? And if I want to talk about that with someone on Twitter where in, in a blunt manneristic way, in a, in a kind of blunt way, there's a chance I could get banned for that. Okay. Another part of this is obviously vaccines. And Twitter was banning accounts that were talking about vaccines in a way that the CDC, the United States federal government did not like. And we know for a fact and that they were colluding with the CDC to get accounts kicked off of Twitter. And me personally, I would just leave Hunter Biden alone and I would look into this because this is an infinite bigger threat to free speech and free conversation and free flow of information, um, which is, yeah, there's some kooky friend shit out there, both pro-vax and anti-vax. OK, and their attitude is you're going to get people killed by that telling them. That. And it turns out <laughs> not really. I mean, so you have all of these people having debates. That's what social media is for. OK. And instead, you you had Twitter effectively became an activist platform for the political left and progressive journalists. And then the federal government is telling people who to ban off social media. Do people understand how dangerous that is? Where 
a social media platform just becomes a tool of a government agency, whether it's the CDC, the FBI, the Department of Homeland Security, which we know was coordinating with Twitter to shut down accounts that they didn't like people were tweeting. And that was in that Intercept report where they ended up shutting down parody accounts with 50 followers. Like that's on the radar of the Department of Homeland Security. And so all of that just died. And that's why you're seeing the pushback against Elon Musk is they lost their sources. They lost their power. And now that's why you're seeing regulatory, you know, senators going after Musk and looking at it. And Joe Biden even saying that we're going to look at this deal. We're going to use the, the, the Treasury Department to look at this deal. That's all because all of that shit ended. It's gone because I don't see Elon Musk going along with, you know, the CDC when we do have now stories about delayed periods. And we do have stories about, you know, mild myocarditis. And we do have stories about how effective the vaccine is. And all of that should be open for debate. And that what Twitter basically has become in the last five months is not a place to debate. It's a place where we're going to give you content. You're going to listen. And oh, by the way, if you disagree, you're banned. And that is why people left the platform. And now people could be coming back. People might be creating new accounts. I'm willing to bet that Elon Musk probably has a lot more fans than, say, CNN does. And so, yeah, that's how I kind of look at it. Yeah, I mean, I'm pissed over my verification plat column is just a dumpster fire now. I can't even use it. But on the other hand, I can probably say, you know, that Leah Thomas should not be competing in women's sports. And I can say that with pretty much without fear of any retribution. And that's important for what I do. <laughs> yes. All right. Well, that's about all I had. I'll, I'll let some others in the queue jump in. Uh, you enjoy your Zima. And have a good <laughs> uh, I didn't. I never minded Zima. Like it was. It was made by Coors and Suz, or it was like produced by Coors. I was like, eh, you know, that's okay. It just became a social thing to be seen with one. But uh, I don't know. Like every once in a while. Um, no, it's it's just a light beer. All, every single one of you assholes drinks light beer. I don't <laughs> want to fucking hear it. All right. See you soon. God. I swear to God, you guys. I have one. I'm just, I'm not going to drink it anymore. I'm done. There. You did it. Go ahead. Hey, Steven. How are you doing? I'm okay. I'm, I'm apparently a squish for having a light beer. Don't worry. I just, I don't drink in general. It, it's just, I've it, I had bad experience in college. So, okay. Uh, so, you know, I'm the weaker than you, but okay. uh, no matter what, uh, uh, what I wanted to know is when you look at it and you see all these sorts of backlashes, do, how much do you think this is just a backlash to uh, of a huge man, mighty panic that's coming because there's a giant recession and an entire class of people um, are probably going to be seen as the first to go. And those were the people that journalists got into contact with because, I mean, you see things that like Amazon, they're cutting thousands and thousands. And they're almost always corporate, and I'm willing to bet they're in the DEI, the marketing, and the human resources departments. Because those are the departments that can get cut first. Maybe, except I think if you uh, if you cut the uh, if you cut the DEI or whatever um, departments, you're going to be called. Um, I just I think most of the I think most of the the hissy fit you see is their toy has been ripped away from them. And you can see they're not, they're not going to let this go. Like they, they control everything. They control Hollywood. Uh, and I'm talking about you know, the progressive left, just so we're straight. 
um, and you know what they have influence over music and academia. And we saw what happened, like when they put Ben Sass at the University of Florida, they all lost their shit. And it's like Ben Sass, really? That that that's what you're going to lose your shit over. And so you take away Omri Serene, he's a, he's a, I think he's a Ted Cruz advisor. Always he has such a great thing that says, my goodness, look what happens when they lose even the littlest bit of influence that they have. And so part, I mean, the thing is, you really, this thing has revealed the over-reliance of Twitter by these journalists, a platform where not even 10% of the country is on. And of the 10% that's on it, only 4% are people who are producing tweets. And they, it has such an oversized influence over journalism. And that's, if this is my attitude is if, if these fucking people get back to doing actual journalism, as opposed to just writing about what's happening on Twitter, it's a good thing. And maybe that will help save. But when you look at what our media is, it's almost 60 to 70% centric around whatever is happening on Twitter at any given moment. And I'm kind of like, that shows people don't really care about that. So I really do think it's it's mostly one they're getting their favorite toy ripped away from them, and two, uh, it's they're losing they're losing their sources inside a, a platform that they have put an incredibly amount of uh, overvalue on, should I say? So those two things are related. Um, I want to jump in, Andrew. You can reply to this one. Uh, there's a guy named Dave Troy. <laughs> This this is this one to me is one of the best ones. It almost takes the cake. Uh, at Dave Troy, I hope everyone sees this as an act of war that it is, and that the key is to move faster than anyone in government or media could react. What's next? Everyone's going to be writing about the last thing for weeks. Please keep up. Uh, a guy named Greg Olier uh, called it a terrorist attack. Um, against, let me find, he also says, I believe the Twitter purchase was an act of war and intentional sabotage. Former employees or others have information regarding this may contact me via signal. I'm not going to give his number, but that's how they're viewing this. It, it's no, it was a, it was a financial deal that every, that apparently went down and it went through the courts and everyone went, yep, that looks good. That looks good. That looks good. Okay. Sign it off. And it's done. And again, the, you're, you're seeing the fact that they're politicians, especially the Democratic Party, who I've said Joe Biden's administration is governed by Twitter. It's governed by what they see and how it goes. And I don't know. Have you seen Ron Klain on there for a while? Nope, you haven't. And so that's why they're 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 threatening this through the fiduciary and the Treasury departments, because they want it back. And I kind of sit here and go, it's a fucking social media platform, guys. What What's the big deal here? It changed owners. <laughs> I guess it's just sort of uh, you're just, you're just asking me to treat journals as anything other than pathetic um, um, school bullies just trying to take advantage of what her stuff is. And it, while it's true, they're basically just acting like again, like you say, it's just a toy that's been taken away. But did you expect anything less from them when this started happening? Uh, no, they're not going to go quietly over this. Um, as I said, especially, you know, journalists like Kara Swisher in particular and Ben Collins, I mean, this is their profession. They live off of this. People like Molly John Fast grew off of this, live off this. Um, if Twitter went away tomorrow, I would, I, I would look at it and say, I just lost a very valuable advertising tool for what I do. But I would be here. 
I would be on Colin and doing these and I would still have my podcast. Twitter is not a source of revenue for me. Um, I mean, super followers, a very small amount. And Twitter takes like half of that. It's, it's absurd how much they take of super followers. Um, so I would lose, you know, I would lose a valuable way for an audience that I have built over 10 years. Yeah, that would suck. Um, but my hope is that, Hey, if you like my tweeting, I'm over here on call in doing this. Um, I'm over here on Substack maybe in the future I'm over here. So I look at it. I'm like, I'm not even worried about this. I don't even understand why these people are acting this way. How does losing Twitter, if Twitter shut down tomorrow, how does that affect their jobs? Well, it means that they probably have to get a little bit better at them and do actual fucking work for a change. And I think that that's really what it is. It's the, it's, it's the journalistic laptop class um, just sitting here putting, again, an, an enormous amount of overvalue on a, on a social media platform. It's crazy to me. Well, again, it's just, I guess they've, it's, you know, when you feel like you have the long march of history on your side, any kind of setback just feels like a, a, um, an emotional gut punch on some level. Oh, yeah. No, they, they, they look at this as something that is, belongs to them. And um, it's, uh, it's up to us to give you information. It's up, for you, it's up to you to just shut up and take it, which is why they now turn replies off. And you know, they, they complain about dogpiling and they complain about this. And it's kind of like, well, I don't like the quote tweet feature. I never really have, but I'm going to use it. Um, if you want to eliminate harassment on Twitter, get rid of the fucking quote tweet feature. You don't see many of them advocating that. Um, and so, uh, again, I, I, I looked at last night. It was, it was one of the funniest things I've ever seen on social media ever. There's nights on Twitter that, I you remember the one being the Boston Marathon attack because that went from the day. And then, of course, like, you know, what I think Brandon said is it's a live news updating app. And that's that's why it's probably not going anywhere because there is no other replacement for it. But um, the Boston Marathon night was a really interesting one because that went all fucking day. And there were people with police scanners, and then you had the you had the Boston PD saying, "Please take down the police scanners," and you have media putting them up, and then whatever, and that then reached its conclusion like at two in the morning or three in the morning on the East Coast when they found that fucking asshole in the boat. And so there's there's specific events and nights that I remember specifically from being on Twitter for, and last night was just one of those where you just had this. If you were in the Twitter space, there was literally people fucking crying in that. And I was just like, oh, my God, I, I thought about just wanting to just like ask to speak just to see what would happen. But then they just boot me out of it. Um, that should be telling. And, it, you know, again, when most people are sitting here, you know, just normal users, people with accounts who aren't really content creators or not people like me or whatever. And they're the funniest ones. And they're just enjoying the hell out of this. I'm like. Uh, you're seeing two different values of what Twitter is with people like me and whatever, just sitting here enjoying this. Like, if this is the end, fuck it, this is great. And then over here, journalists like, you can get me on social tribe or, or whatever, bye, it's over. And I'm kind of like, this, it really took the mask off a lot of things last night about, again, how that platform is valued, what they think it should be used for, what they think. And I, I still say they have no idea what social media actually is. Social media is what we're doing right now. It's a level playing field. 
And so, and again, I've said this repeatedly, that's why I, I use this platform the way I do. I use it to talk to, to you guys. I don't use it to sit here and interview, and sometimes I will, but it's a level playing field, and that's what fucking pisses them off. Well, I'm glad I get to share this um, level playing field with you, and I hope you have a wonderful night, and you can talk to everyone else, because we got some other people who want to talk. Thanks, Andrew. I'm going to blow a race through here. Little Red, go ahead. No real need to... Uh set any of this up did you are uh-huh. you wearing black today is, is the funeral over are you are you holding up okay i didn't even know that the funeral was a thing until this morning because i have a life <laughs> and i i have an uh, iphone so i mean i have an iphone that's my <laughs> so when i'm looking at the app i'm the was... thing and I'm, I'm like what the fuck is going what the hell oh my god they're all panicking. Why? Scroll, scroll, scroll. And then I'm just like laughing like the Joker on the set of Maury's. Yeah, I was playing board games with my kiddos. That's what I was doing last night. And reading a book after that. So. That, sounds, that sounds boring. <laughs> oh, it was amazing. And um, play board games, you guys. They're fun. So I'm actually call, calling in about... Um, a very interesting tweet that did come across to me yesterday afternoon. So the Portland Tribune uh, tweeted out, Democrats lose supermajority in Oregon House and Senate. So that's the tweet. And the headline is, Democrats apparently flip Bend Area Oregon House seat. And so the whole article, because I was fascinated by the contrast between the tweet and the headline, is all about how we are, uh, the Republicans made huge gains in Oregon, in the House, in the Senate, in our local House and Senate. And I, last time I talked to you, I was angrily chopping kale and <laughs> saying that the red wave is real. The red wave is real. And a headline like that makes me think, There's a lot of things going on under the surface. We all look at Fetterman and we all look at the Carrie Lake thing. The red wave is real and the media is ignoring it. Uh, I mean, they view it as a zero sum. They view it as the national races are the most important. And this, what you're saying tracks back to what happened in 2020, which was Trump, yep. shenan- Trump shenanigans overshadowed what happened in a lot of the country and it and it overshadowed just how bad of an election that was for the Democratic Party. They didn't take a single Senate seat that they, you know, were pouring millions of dollars in. They lost several border communities, local, like you said, local house races around Texas and Florida in California. Um, I believe you had the first Korean woman elected in California, Young Kim. If she's not Korean, I'm sorry. I'm not being racist. Uh, No, Um, she's... um... You didn't hear much about her, but she set history that night. And you're right in the sense of that the, the circus overshadows what's happening underneath it. Okay. And that's kind of what happened in 2020 where, you know, where Trump is just spraying his fire hose of bullshit. And it made the media, it made the Democratic Party kind of ignore what had happened on the ground. And you're right in the sense of a lot of states, like barring except Colorado, except they just sent Boebert back, 
um, a lot of states did that. They won a ton of house races. They won a ton of school board races as well. And you're right mm-hmm. that it's not something that's being talked about enough because they want the focus on the fact that the house is only one vote. And, oh, look how adorable the giant oaf who can't speak is. Yeah, it's um, especially with the school boards and like New York, their uh, state Senate and House won a bunch of Republicans. Same with Oregon. It's just not being talked about. And I think it's not being talked about for a very specific reason, because they went to say that they won. They didn't win. (laughs) they lost really big in a lot of important ways. I mean, Donald Trump won and the Republicans gained seats or sorry, Donald Trump lost and the Republicans gained seats in the house. There's something very serious going on and Twitter and the press is ignoring it for their own reasons. And it's super, it's gonna, it's, there's going to be hell to pay. Because they are ignoring it. Uh, we'll find out in two years. <laughs> that's yeah. pretty much where we're at. <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah, that's, and yeah, I mean, it's going to be when the new Congress is sworn in, and we'll, see, you know, we'll see more of this. We'll see more of, you know, how school boards, you know, when new school board members, for instance, are sworn in, and all of a sudden MSNBC is screaming about, hey, how come they're changing the curriculum in, in a district in Oregon? And you go, right there, that's why you guys didn't. Well, they're already didn't doing it about Youngkin. Right. And oh, yeah. supposedly it's... they're removing MLK from the curriculum, which is not true. No, of, well, of course it's not. So, real fast, <laughs> Elon Musk's poll. Elon Musk put out a Twitter poll, reinstate former President Trump. It has 3,228,822 votes. Yes is leading 57.3 to no 42.7. And if you're on Twitter, I would encourage you to go read some of the quote tweets. <laughs> it's like this is a, this is like they're they're doing an actual election right now. It's crazy. They're like uh, Mark's Bay is weighed in on it. Um, you can see people just telling uh, their friends to go retweet and vote and whatever. And um, yeah, it's it's pretty funny. Um, I, I did vote in the poll, but I won't be telling you how I voted. Out of fairness. Okay, so um, since you quit drinking your Bartles and James, yeah, and because it's a Friday yeah. night. What is your favorite science fiction action movie? And I'm done. Oh Jesus! Uh, so I, I don't know if it's Give action. I don't know if it's top action three. enough. But right off, I mean, right off the top of my head, Children of Men, uh, Dark City is one of is one of my all time favorites. Um, sci fi action. Uh, I mean, I would throw Terminator Two into that as well. Uh, oh yeah, throw, Aliens is mine. Um, Terminator 2 is just a fucking masterpiece um, mm-hmm. of, uh, of everything. Like, that should have been a best picture nom, but of course it's, you know, Arnold and it's whatever. Um, the, the, yeah, Children of Men comes into my mind immediately. Dark City comes into my mind immediately. That's Dark City was, came out right like when I was immersed in doing screenwriting and stuff and wanting to go into film. And so, uh, that's one I would put up there. It's, it's not as strong of a genre with me that, I think anymore just because everything now, every science fiction movie now is just a fucking Marvel movie. So <laughs> equilibrium. What about that? Yeah. Oh God. The matrix rip off with Bale. 
No, didn't like it. Um, oh, boo! So You're I'm fired. sure that I'm sure that there's like two or three here that I'm I'm completely glossing over. Uh, Arrival. No, Equilibrium was um, Christian Bale and. They took the drugs to make yeah, him they, not feel and things. he stopped taking the drugs. But he was like he was like a he was like a soldier for the army or the special police, and it just had like complete ripoff of Matrix costumes and mm. um, no, just I it disagree. did. It was like <laughs> if you go back and you watch it with the double guns and whatever, and he had the long coats and then he had the white suit. It was just a complete. It was a complete. We're gonna try to like make the Matrix here. Um, science fiction action, not necessarily arrival was probably one of the, one of the best made ones just recently, Alex Garland stuff with annihilation. Um, Oh, the Martian, uh, didn't like the Martian. I don't know. I like the, I I like the idea behind it, but it just was so fucking long. Um, okay. So so. I'm just going to hang up because I have completely derailed your calling. No, it's no, it's totally fine. That's kind of one of the things we do. So. It's fine. It's it's fine if we can get these off the rails here. So, like I said, I'm drinking my Bartles and James. Thanks, little red. <laughs> this is just like dunk. I'm sitting here trying to better myself and you know get in better shape as I'm getting older and you know look better for the TV. And everyone's just fucking bullying me right now over it because I'm having a light beer. <laughs> I'm not going to sit there and fucking take it. Good night. <laughs> right. Uh, we'll go John, William, and Pierre, and uh, Alex, I'm sorry, we're probably going to have time for these three, but I will be back probably tomorrow post-podcast to just host an earlier one, just because I get a different, I don't get the fucking degenerates making fun of my light beer on a Saturday afternoons, but go ahead. All right, so I'll try to have a couple quick hits. Uh, the guest is Michelob Ultra, is what you're drinking. Uh, everybody's waiting for the 2 a.m. Twitter vote dump that uh, <laughs> puts Trump back on the uh, yeah fifty percent. This, this is so. I mean, this is uh here. Here's here's one. Ronald Brownstein, senior CNN political analyst, author, of New York Times. This is one of these fucking democracy is at stake pundits. Eli, a very responsible way to make a decision with huge implications for American democracy, race relations, disinformation, the prospect of future political violence, posing as a populist to gain validation for the chaos he seems determined to impose. Why do you hate democracy? It's a vote. It's a poll. <laughs> they're just, they're, they're this just is what I mean clowns. about the value these people just put on. Like, I don't really care if Trump comes back to Twitter or not, if I'm being honest. Um Twitter was much more fun when it didn't have a main character that everybody was fucking talking about every day. And right now we have that and it's Elon Musk. He's kind of, you know, supplanted Trump as that person. And I still don't know if this whole poll, if he did it, it's a funny joke. If he did, like if Trump, if he won and you know, he goes, okay, he's back on. It would, it would be a, I, the amount of like, just like AOC is on here, just losing her shit. Um, <laughs> Like, I said something today about Ocasio-Cortez. She is genuinely more upset that Twitter has changed than she is at her party losing House seats in her own state that she didn't campaign for. Why? She was on fucking Instagram talking about Elon Musk. Like, that. this is kind of what I mean about why some of this is so funny to just watch happen. 
Um, but go ahead. Yeah, go. We're, we're yeah, waiting, if, if I remember, we're waiting, yeah, we're waiting for the Democratic vote dump at 2 a.m. when um, like London. And if I remember correctly, before Elon bought Twitter, he also polled a question, something along the line, should I buy Twitter? If I if I remember correctly. But uh, yeah, for me personally, I got like 11 followers. I think two are family members. Eight are probably cam girls. And uh, one is like fucking crazy face Charlie Kirk, so not not a big loss if anything goes there. Uh, well, you'll lose you'll lose the female companionship. That don't overrate that. Um, so good point. Um, and just uh, going back to what you said last thing, and, and I'll go uh, maybe a good topic for another night about spokespersons or people or little people or folks who probably can't attack. I think you mentioned like getting a, a 15 year old to represent the NRA, but uh, thinking kind of top three unattackable folks, you, no particular order, but you probably got like, you know, Beetlejuice from the Stern show, uh, Tyrion Lannister, and then those uh, kids from uh, Shiner's Hospital. Those kids could all make a killing if uh, they all signed up to be spokespeople because nobody could really attack them. Yeah. And uh, I'll leave you at that. Yeah, I mean, although I would I would say that still making fun of dwarfs isn't completely still off limits. Um, they're st- they still don't feel like a completely can't make fun of them class yet. But maybe probably here in the next couple of years, depending on how we see how social media. Yeah, those Shiner Hospital kids. I think the the top guy is getting taken over by the the kid with the bow tie in the latest commercials. Yeah, but, like uh, the, that we'll that see. one kid has been on those commercials for years, and all I think every time is that's oh, good to see him still alive. Good for you. <laughs> um, yeah, yeah. Um, there's all yeah, yeah. That, that's it. <laughs> all right, have a good one. Appreciate the time. <laughs> Thanks, John. <laughs> Like, no, I was literally just like, yeah, that Shiner's kid is still hanging on. That's good to see. <laughs> go ahead. You, you can just go ahead and mute your mic, and I'll uh, I'll boot you. Yeah. All right. Appreciate it. Have a William, we'll go William and Pierre. So because they're the last two, you got to keep everyone's interest here. So go ahead. Sure. Uh, I just want to let you know about a little bit about how Mastodon works because I, I know you're talking about that. So basically, uh, Mastodon is a network of different instances that are all controlled by different people that federate and um, communicate with each other over email protocols. And it works like Twitter, um, but you can then, uh, the owner of each instance can control who they uh, connect to. So Taylor Taylor Lorenz going on Mastodon, um, she'll throw out her Twitters and she will not see any of the other instances telling her to uh, end her life, basically. Well, that's good. We don't, she doesn't need to hear that. It was pretty wild. I I checked in on some of her stuff on other instances, and uh, people were unkind to her. On Mastodon. <laughs> Not on Mastodon. Um, she didn't see it if she was on Mastodon. But you can go to a different instance, because it, it's all public open source software, 
uh, and anyone can reply to her, but she'll probably never see it because it's not on Mastodon. Not on Mastodon. I mean, that's how it should be. Like, you sh- she should you should be able to block and mute. And I had this discussion with Ben Smith on his BuzzFeed podcast where he's like, you don't get many rape threats. And I'm like, oh, you'd be surprised. I get a few. Um, but you just block and move on with your day. Like, these are, you know, supposed to be professionals. And that's the biggest problem. And that's kind of how social media works is dopamine for journalists because it gives them both attention for who they are and for their work. While simultaneously they can, you know, concoct a brand that is separate from their, their, who they are at say the Washington Post or the New York Times. And there's some who I think do that well. Uh, Olivia Newsy, for instance, I think does it well. And there's some who just come off like they're just on a, they're constantly on an Adderall shortage and they use it to just hurt people. And they, they use the platform in that way. And then when they hurt people with it, they're up, they, they get, they sit there and they go, why are you so fucking upset with me? You're harassing me. And that's who she is. And so, I mean, again, I'm, I'm not really, when you say an instance for, I mean, I know what you're saying, but give, give the normies that are listening. What is that? Sure. Uh, so anyone can take the software and set up a server, uh, and run the Mastodon software or the Peloma, I think it's called. Uh, and all it is is just a wrapper around a email protocol that allows you to connect to different servers that run the and same And it's also software. open source. Like it's, Yes. This, so my thing with this, so let me ask you. If, you, if you're a professional journalist and you need to worry about sensitive content, whether it be sources. One thing I read, and maybe you can clear this up, like you can't direct message. If you message someone, everyone in that server can see it if you're, yeah. if you're a dev. And that was one of the funniest things I saw today where one of them was like, that's not ideal. And it says, don't post sensitive information. And I, you know how journalists use Twitter, even though it's unencrypted, they use DMs to get in touch with people and ask questions and do all of this stuff. So if I'm a journalist, and this is this is what I got when I went and I looked at it, I'm like, there's no fucking way I'm using this website. As someone who, if I'm post, I, I have sensitive contacts, I have anonymous sources, I have people I need to protect. There's people I talk to who need to trust. And here you have a, a completely almost, I mean, it looks to me at least semi-encrypted, but a completely open source platform that has no real privacy controls built into it. And it, it's built by one dude in Germany, and it looks to me like, Mastodon has a skeleton crew running it. And so I sincerely, and I'll let you elaborate if I'm right or wrong about any of this, but I sincerely uh, doubt the intelligence of anyone who is actually in real journalism going on and using that website. I was just like, uh, I'm not a journo. I'm a better journal than journals are, but I'm like, there's no fucking way I would use this website other than to just talk to my friends. And that's why I joke that it's just basically journalist again. It's just all of these fucking people talking to each other about the, the topic. Yeah, that's pretty true. Pretty much true. Um, it, it needs work. Uh, there's a lot of features that just haven't been created, but that's kind of typical of open source platform platforms like this. Uh, that are passion projects. Um, I I wouldn't use it at all for any kind of like sensitive information, just mostly for shitposting. Um, 
It's so I, I don't think they really understand what they're doing. And the, uh, the other thing about that is, is that if, if the Washington Post and Taylor Lorenz are really serious about this, the Washington Post can set up a, a Mastodon instance run all of her, all of their journalist stuff onto that as a public platform that they can disseminate in the information that they want to say to the public and then just have other instances connect to the Washington Post's instance. There's no reason that uh, they need to join this random, uh, given Mastodon is the largest one, but there's no reason that they need to go to this random person server where they have to deal with uh, Reddit jannies basically power tripping on them that will ban them for whatever perceived insult that they might come to. Yeah, I mean, that's it's funny that they're all flocking to, and someone told them to. So it was either like somebody like Kate Starbird or Twitter devs said, hey, just go to Mastodon. And then they went, hey, guys, let's all go to Mastodon. And it doesn't feel, and the reason why I started poking around on it is because I'm like, it, this doesn't feel well thought out on their part. Like I went and I looked at their, I had a tweet go viral today because I went and I looked at their sponsors and one is like a, a sex doll delivery website. And I'm like, did you guys look at this website before? <laughs> like enough, most of the uh, sponsors are like crypto exchanges and, yeah. you know, we can improve your software for your company. And I'm kind of like how the fuck do you think that this is a better option for you right now than, than Twitter is it, like you guys can go to WhatsApp, right? You don't even need to be posting in public. So why would you go there? Are you doing it symbolically to show it's another platform? Well, yeah, that's what like the proud boys did for parlor. So are you no better than that? And that's, that's again, why I, I really question how intelligent our modern laptop elite journal class is right now. Like it feels like they just went, Oh, I'm going to go sign up for that without literally doing any investigating about the back end of this site. Is it well protected? I don't know. It doesn't look like, it doesn't look like it is to me. Um, like I said, I set up an account just to basically do that. So if I'm dropping in on Mastodon right now, it looks like Twitter. I mean, it has like home notifications, explore, everything's on the right side. It has favorites in uh, European. That's another thing I'm like, uh, you free speech journalists who care about democracy are going over to a German run exchange where uh, people could like be jailed for things that they say on this platform. I'm like, okay, no, I'm not doing that. But yeah, it's, they're basically all just talking about Twitter. I think the only reason that they went to Mastodon is because someone told the journos that it, it was the biggest shit lib uh, federated instance. And that's it. Yeah, maybe. I mean, yeah, it's I, I, I don't understand why they would. Like I said, I mean, if 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 you had if you were if I was a journalist working for like The Washington Post or New York Times, obviously those are what, you know, New York Times is trying to become a tech company. They're trying to get away from being a newspaper. Uh, by going into digital media, podcasting and, and videos and presentations, and then also how they're expanding through tech. And I'm like, if, if I'm looking at this, and I don't know how successful this would be, but I'm creating like a Twitter on my website. So you can go, if, if, if a live news event, if, if a helicopter hits a building or something, I don't know. You can go then to your favorite channel, CNN, Fox, CBS, and you'll get lifetime tweets from people there. 
the problem for them on that front is Twitter's power is people on the ground with a cell phone watching it happen right there. Um, we, we just saw an inst- We just saw a couple instances of this with the uh, the Dallas Air Show explosion with the two planes that collided. Um, that that became a story because the, people recorded it and put it up to their own Twitter feed, and then journalists got a hold of it, and then they spread it throughout their newsrooms and whatever. And so that to me is why I mean they're all going to be coming back to this platform with their tails tucked, and they know it. Well, the thing is, is that. The New York Times can use the soft underlying software and throw a few devs under it, and and improve it as they want. It like you said, it's it's open source. It it's not some closed source, you know, paid for for thing. They can just put up a Mastodon or a a Mastodon instance of of their own. They being the New York Times and just have all of their journalists use it they'll all be verified because it because the new york times owns that instance and then other instances can decide to subscribe to that particular instance and and they can disseminate their news through it so i i don't think it's a bad piece of software necessarily it just needs work and uh there's no reason that they that like taylor lorenz or ben collins or whoever need to go to this on basically unmanaged instance when they can just ask their their news organization to set one up for them and it would be more secure because like all these all these media companies have to have software developers to to work on it yeah i mean ultimately the problem with this is you have a bunch of people under the guise of tech reporting who don't know much about tech So, I mean, a good instance right here, what I'm talking about. And so as I'm listening and I'm I'm interacting, I also have my monitor up here. And there's a guy named Enrique Varsi Rospigalosi. He's tweeting in, uh, I don't want to say, I want to say it's Spanish. And it's a guy, I don't know if it's him, but there's a guy with a woman behind him. And I've just retweeted this of a crashed airplane on a beach in like in the ocean and he's taking a selfie with a woman behind him. And the tweet says, when life gives you a second chance (laughs) and I'm sitting here like, this is, this is Twitter's power right here. Like that, that's it. Like a guy, this has 6,000 retweets, 1,051 quote tweets, 74,000 likes. I have 400,000 followers. I don't think, I think only once have I ever come close to 75,000 likes with a tweet. Yeah. and I think that's going to be the problem with any of these federated instances. Uh, they're just never going to have the reach that a well-organized first-to-the-market platform like Twitter was is going to have. Right. It's just, it's it's a brand. Like it's it's an established brand. And as long as companies, I, you know, there's talk, there's a lot of talk about how ad companies are pausing their presence on Twitter. And how I think this is going to go, I was having this back and forth tonight, and I think how this is going to go is a lot of journals are going to go to, to Twitter's advertisers and say, are you good with this? Are you good with the N-word on Twitter? And that's going to spook them, and they're going to go, oh, of course not. No, you know, like, of course we're not. We're not okay with that. Um, but they'll – so they'll, they'll pause their presence for about a month or two, and then 
when they see that nothing's really changed on the platform, like people might just be able to say things like a boy can't become a girl a little bit more and that's it. I think that they probably come back and when they come back, that's when the journals will really lose their minds. So William, I'll give you the last word. I'm oh, sure. Uh, I think the only thing I'd respond to that is uh, David Brock's cocaine nose uh, might resurrect itself so that they can uh, keep going after those advertisers. Yeah, he, and, well, but he just, yeah, he started a new group of circling around. And for, so he left media matters pretty, pretty abruptly. Um, I'm sure he's probably snorted away his entire severance package already. Um, but he's starting a new group. That's like that. It's like based on fighting in disinformation and stuff again. And that's how you just know it's there. It's all a fucking con the Nina Jankowicz shit. And, uh, like you said, the disinformation reporters, um, they're, they're not, they're some of the, they're some of the worst purveyors of, uh, misinformation. So we'll see. It's going to, I mean, it's not boring right now, I guess is, is, you know, my, my last word to that thought. So. Alrighty. Uh, thanks for the, thanks for your time and have a good, uh, Friday night. Yep. Thanks William. A lot of, a lot of good information. Thank you for that. I appreciate it. And thanks for, uh, holding on back there. All right, Pierre, thank you for waiting. You're our last one. Bring us home. Give me your thoughts or any insights you might have on this whole thing. You're the last speaker at the funeral. Okay, thanks for taking my call. Um, I actually wanted, was thinking about talking about, um, like, the whole um, voting talking points and the discussion around that. But I know that you want to keep it tight, so I want to see if maybe I should call in for another yeah, episode. sure. What do you I'm think? probably going to be. I'm probably going to do one of these tomorrow. That'll just be a general topic. Okay, I'll call in later. Okay. Do you have, you have nothing on nothing on Twitter? You just have it. You just have that one. You're, are you, let, yeah, are you well, letting me off easy here? Yeah. Well, I had one thought about Twitter. Um. So basically, you know, the talking point I've seen is like, well, um, if Twitter like goes away, like it's oh liberals they. Um, what are they, why are they complaining? Like, um, they've been saying about, they've been, you know, pushing for censorship. And so what, why would they be complaining? It's kind of hypocrisy, but I, I think like, sometimes I'm like, they don't really consider the fact that like, well, it's possible Musk could be making bad business decisions. And if it crashes Twitter, well, that's like less of a, f a free speech platform. They don't seem to consider that. And I feel like, it seems to be like they think like, oh, Twitter could never be worse than it is now. I don't know. I just don't buy that sometimes. Uh, I, I mean, it, I think what I'd like to see, and this is what I think isn't being talked about enough, and I, I brought this up previous, is I want the technical side and the interface better. Uh, we already saw when, you know, when the uh, – the safety team or the the curation team was dismissed. Now we just, we lost all of that sidebar shit of people are talking about Dave Chappelle's latest thing. Mm -hmm. And we never needed that. We don't need you to put into context what we're reading. I just, I look over here and I'm seeing a trend and it says boomers and I'm, Oh, okay. Or no, I don't, I'm not interested in that. And like the interface, especially on mobile is horrible. Like I, if you look at, if you look at what it is now, it, it used to be like, if you're on an iPhone, for instance, you could have five or six, seven tweets on the app scrolling. 
and now it's down to about three with an ad, and then the blue button that you need to tweet takes up a, a third of the space of one of the, like, it's, it's the interface that I want to see worked on, and not enough people are talking about that, and I hope Musk understands that, and I hope that that's kind of what he does. My hope is that I'm fine if he wants to use the app and make funny memes and do whatever, but I hope that he's actually back there, not just saying we're going to shore up the infrastructure, the, the data infrastructure, but what we're also going to do is make this cleaner. We're going to make this a usable app again because it's it's hard. It's not hard to use, but there's so much shit about. I've always said that you know when Twitter's coming out with new features and new things, um, you know, turning off replies and now you can mute and now you can. It's like no no one at old Twitter wanted people to actually use their product. Everything that they did was a deterrence away from using the social accessibility of the app, which is what it should be. And so I look at it, I'm like, no one's even really talking about that. And you're not even hearing that from Elon Musk about like, what are you doing to just clean it up? And I'm not talking about bringing accounts back. I'm not talking about unbanning accounts. I'm not talking about the social and the politics. And now, now you can dead name people or whatever. I'm talking about like, what are you actually doing to just make this cleaner and like make it work better? And so that to me is almost far more interesting than his stupid Twitter poll on Trump. (laughs) You're right. All right. Well, thanks for uh, taking my call. I appreciate it. Great, Pierre. And if uh, if I if I jump on tomorrow, or whatever, like that, and if you can jump on, I'll make sure you're towards the top. All right. Thanks. So, thanks. So this is I don't know episode sixty four. I almost should take a poll. I can't spell funeral without fun. Um, I'll I'll save cry space for later. That's that one is still in my head. Um, <laughs> thanks uh, to all my callers tonight. And yes, even the ones that gave me shit about my beverage choice, whatever. Um, and also, especially to, to those of you who have, you know, a, a unique insight to how, again, this all works and these platforms work and stuff, because I think that that's really interesting for people to hear. So I always like seeing that stuff and want to learn more about it myself. So again, thanks to my callers tonight. Fun topic. This was a fun one. Um, and again, thanks to you guys for spending a couple hours here tonight. Again, you keep uh, Versus Media Live towards the top of the uh, the most listened to shows on this app. And there's a lot of people on here with bigger platforms than I have, believe it or not. And so it's always heartening to see that and that you guys have interest in what I'm doing here. And uh, if the Bird app goes away, I'll probably be here a lot more. So, uh, again, thank you and thanks for following. Uh, I will be back on Patreon tomorrow to make up for my dumb missed podcast today probably talking more about this using some information stuff I heard tonight. So again, thank you. Go enjoy your Friday nights and I'm done drinking the the light beer because you guys are bullying me 